Scroll through your newsfeed on social media and you'll probably notice a large volume of complaining going on. Pastor Ed Taylor says, don't get caught up in that. You know, I, I think of, again, the tools that are available today to stir up angst and frustration. I mean, I, I think that if social media was a person, it would be a false teacher. Because all it does is stir up strife. All it does is give opportunity for everyone to share their opinion, stir up strife. You know, it's like, like somebody typing on social media, they don't think that's sin. It's like the same as doing it into your face, someone's face. It's probably worse. In many ways, if you're complaining and murmuring on social media, it's probably worse because you're affecting so many more people. You go, but Ed, don't you understand? Don't you see? Yeah, I live in the same world you do. And the Bible says for us as believers not to murmur and complain but to cast our cares upon the Lord. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You You've probably seen it, as I have in recent years, the increase of verbal sparring on the internet. There's complaining and even division. Sadly, this is happening at an alarming rate even in the church. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll receive some valuable instruction from the book of Jude that will serve to help us get along with each other and avoid foolish arguing, complaining, and division. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Murmurers and complainers, this group were walking, it says in verse 16, according to their own lusts. Their mouths have these great swelling words and they flatter people to gain advantage. I don't know if you've ever been flattered for someone to gain advantage over you, but it feels horrible because flattery is deception. When someone flatters you, flattery and Somebody just commending you, those are two different things. Someone just appreciating you and flattery are two different things. Flattery has a way to gain some advantage or to gain some inroad with you, to gain, to take from you. Remember Jesus, he came to give, not to take. A true servant of the Lord is going to give. He's not going to take. She's not going to take. So flattery has the position of prepping you and preparing you to take advantage of you. It's just always a bummer. Because, you know, as believers, we think the best about people, generally. Generally, we do give you the benefit of the doubt. Generally, we do receive you. We, we, all, we know we all have past. We've all made mistakes. We're all sinners. And we recognize there's sin among us. But then people will come in, select people will come in and try to take advantage of your genuine sincerity. Even spiritual leaders, even people on TV or radio or whatever, they'll take advantage of your genuine, sincere desire to worship God. And flattery is one of the tools. They're out to please themselves, taking advantage of others. Really the essence of any false teaching. Any false teaching to take your eyes off of Jesus is to, in order to get your eyes on man. That's what false teaching is. To corrupt God, to diminish God, to discredit God. In any way, to make, to, somebody has made God in their own image, Romans chapter 1, and now they want you to follow the God they made in their own image for their own advantage. Pride, arrogance, whatever it might be. They grumble, they complain to stir, stir up things in you. You know, I, I think of, 
Again, the tools that are available today to stir up uh, angst and frustration. I mean, I think that if social media was a person, it would be a false teacher. Because all it does is stir up strife. All it does is give opportunity for everyone to share their opinion, stir up strife. You know, it's like, like somebody typing on social media, they don't think that's sin. It's like the same as doing it into your face, someone's face. It's probably worse. In many ways, if you're complaining and murmuring on social media, it's probably worse because you're affecting so many more people. You go, but Ed, don't you understand? Don't you see? Yeah, I live in the same world you do. And the Bible says for us as believers not to murmur and complain, but to cast our cares upon the Lord. I mean, the whole world, we, we, we've been saying and saying and saying, saying throughout all our history, we trust God, we trust God, we trust God. And then when something happens you don't like, all of a sudden you act like you don't trust God anymore. It's like, well, you know, if it was back to where this was, and if we got back to this and we got back, no, why don't you just get back to being right with the Lord? And that's why we're going to see in our final study, it's really important that you keep yourselves in the love of God. That's the safe place. You won't be a murmurer there. You won't be a complainer there. You won't take advantage of people there. You won't be a flatterer there. You, you will just be so caught up in the love of God, but you have to keep yourself there. You have to keep yourself there. And we'll explain that in our next study. So they have, notice, uh, in verse 19, we'll jump ahead. In verse 19, it says, these are sensual persons. Again, if you like to write in your Bible, circle that word sensual. You can write next to it, worldly. So worldly speaks more of the person living apart from Christ, living for things apart from Christ, rather than just all the little activities in the world. Like we have, as the church, have kind of made worldliness all these little activities. But really, worldliness comes from a heart separated from God. That's where worldliness comes. And when you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh. They're sensual. They notice uh, not having the spirit, but I skipped over. Notice this phrase, who cause division. They're bent on satisfying their flesh. Yes, in the love feasts, at the potluck, in the home fellowship, in the small prayer group, with the women, with the men, in the mixed multitude. yes. Among us, this is the type of behavior that is obvious. Our faith should be growing steadily. Now, I want to close with a couple of thoughts here before we head out. First of all, if you're taking notes, I want you to understand this. Because there isn't anyone among us, I think, that hasn't been used to cause division. All right? So when we're talking about causing division right now, there is a sense where there's the false teachers here causing divisions. But I want to step back and just allow us to look in the mirror of God's word ourselves. There really isn't any one of us. I mean, if you want to come and make a case to me that you have never caused division on purpose or on accident, please come and tell me. You'll be the first one. I will tweet it and I will post it that I did meet one person that never caused division. I mean, I, I think that this is rampant among us in one way or another. Of course, there are people that do it on purpose. There are people that are just divisive. That's for sure. But just in general, Okay, let's back up for a second and just say in general, division has been caused among us, uh, by us, on more than one occasion. So if you're with me on that, I want you to consider this. Anytime division is caused by us, we are not walking in the spirit. It is not a spiritual thing to cause ungodly division. Division that stirs up believers against believers. I'll just read a few scriptures to you so you can meditate on them, but understand what the Bible says about division. These six things, Proverbs 6, 16. 
These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. So not only does division reflect a lack of walking in the Spirit, or like false teachers, they don't even have the Spirit. That's what Jude is saying for the false teachers here. But for us as believers, by way of application, anytime we are purposely causing division, we're not walking in the Spirit, number one. Number two, we're in a position of the hatred of God. Did you notice he, that it says a look, a tongue, a hands, heart, feet, and then he turns to people. False witnesses, liars, and those that cause division, they're both, they're, they draw the hatred of God. That's a heavy consideration for us. They draw the hatred of God, division. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 28. A false witness shall perish, but the man who hears him will speak endlessly. So, so thirdly, division puts you into a place of living in falsehood. You're not living truth. You're not in the light. You're not walking in the light. Division, divisiveness, a false witness is going to perish. But the man who hears him is going to speak endlessly of everything that he heard. Just keep sharing it over and over and over again. New Testament, James chapter 3, verse 14. James chapter 3, verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual. And the reason I chose this is sensual. These are sensual pieces. So, so this is now... New covenant to believers, sensual, the very next word is demonic. Now you're cooperating with the goal of the devil, and that's to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what division does. I know we would never really think of us co-op, like we're believers, we love Jesus, we're born again. But I'm telling you, division puts you on the wrong side of the will of God. And you look at the descriptions of the false teachers and you know, aside from the descriptions that speak of them not being believers, their behavior is replicated by believers all the time. So much of the effort and energy of pastors and leaders in the church is to try to bring unity where division has come. Whether it's in a family, whether it's in a fellowship, you know, when you think of and you've heard, sto you've heard stories of, of major church splits, it's all just division. It's arrogant, boastful, prideful men and women unwilling to yield, cooperating with the plans and purposes of the devil, sensual and demonic. Why? Because where envy, this is the end of James 3, 14 through 16. In verse 16, he says, where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Okay, so now we turn a corner as we close in verse 17. But you, beloved. So we just... Convinced we don't want to be a part of anything, false teachers, none of this junk. It's divisive, destructive. But he says, you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do they know the words of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because of Acts 2.42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Remember what we learned? What was the apostles' doctrine at the time of Acts chapter 2? The entirety of the Old Testament and the apostles' remembering and teaching the teachings of Jesus. That was the apostles. They didn't have the New Testament then. Remember, because in Acts 2.42, 
Saul of Tarsus wasn't even saved yet. And most of the New Testament was written by a guy at the time of Acts 2, wasn't even saved yet. So the apostles' doctrine in Acts 2 was the entirety of the Old Testament pointing to Messiah and the teachings of Jesus as retaught through the apostles. So here they are. Remember, remember the apostles' teachings. How, verse 18, they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. So, but you, in the midst of all this, in the midst of all the drama and difficulty of the world, in the midst of all the division, again, never in the lifetime that I have been a believer for 30 plus years have I ever seen the church of Jesus Christ so divided. I've never seen our own little family of churches, Calvary Chapel, so divided. So in the midst of all that, but you guys, let all that happen around you. But you guys, you remember what the Lord said. You remember the word. You go back to basics. You walk simply with your Savior. You don't need to get drawn up in all everyone's flattering words, all their divisive talk. You don't need to get caught up in everything. You remember. You want to be effective in the last days? You want to be effective in the midst of drama? Maybe it's not church drama for you. Maybe it's family drama, okay? In the midst of your family drama, you remember the word of the Lord. It will give you guidance and direction of how to handle the drama and difficulties of your life. But especially when there's confusion, sensual people, difficult things, everything's happening around you, it's so hard, but you just remember the word. Base your life upon the word, church. Hasn't that been the theme in the last couple months? Read your Bible every day, pray. Just remember the word. Be a man that loves God's word. Be a woman that loves God's word. From the very beginning, the devil has attacked the word of God. From the very beginning, he's wanted you to doubt it. He's wanted you to undermine the steadfast word, like everything else is in chaos. And then you come to the steadfast word, and maybe you feel like the psalmist of it. God, everyone's getting away with it. I don't believe you anymore. No, remember the word. Be patient. Take in the word and remember it. Paul warned to Timothy, Peter warned, 2 Peter 3. These are all warnings that continue even to this day. Now I get to warn you of it. And so that's why we're committed and we'll stay committed. It's how I was discipled. It's how I'm going to teach you. And it's okay that others may not agree, but I am committed to teach the Bible verse by verse, systematically, chapter by chapter, book by book. We are a church, and everything is so cool how God wants. You can't put studies together like on purpose. When you're teaching in one book on the weekend and then all the timing, you just put it together. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, didn't I just say this? I think I just said this not too long ago. We're simply gonna use, we don't just simply use the Bible or refer to it sometimes. We actually teach it. That's the type of church you walked into. You're listening on the radio right now. You're listening to a live broadcast, unless it's Abounding Grace. Like right now, you're listening to a live broadcast, and, the, and what you're listening to is just the systematic, verse-by-verse teaching. We started Jude a couple weeks ago. We're going to finish it next week, and we start from beginning to end. We're not just going to mention the Bible. It's not just going to be a, something that's up here so it looks good on camera. We are going to use the Word, and we're going to commend you to use the Word. We're going to ask you to turn there. We're going to ask you to memorize it. We're going to ask you to look it up. We're going to ask you to take notes. We're going to ask you to pray over it, read it, meditate on it. We teach the word. And we use a methodology, in case you ever hear this word, that's known as expository teaching. Expository teaching. Verse by, we're not the only church that teaches verse by verse. A lot of great churches teach verse by verse, just not many. So don't ever think that we're the only ones. We're not the only ones. But not many do. 
That's not the popular thing. Why? In the last days, Paul told young Timothy that ears will start to itch. And with itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers because they don't want to endure sound doctrine. And it's not enduring long teachings. That's sometimes interpreted that. Oh, they don't want to endure. That's not, what it, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they don't want to endure sound doctrine. Why? Because sound doctrine goes right to the heart. When the Bible is taught properly, in the, and you're, even if it's taught improperly, like mistakes are made, but you're open to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will still get you. Because the only time I'm absolutely accurate is when I'm reading the Bible. And sometimes you have noticed, sometimes I even miss a word here and there. But the Lord will take care of that because you can read it. And we're committed to it. In Nehemiah 8.8, it says this. They read distinctly from the book in the law of God. They gave the sense and they helped them to understand the reading. How we were taught, observation. When you read the Bible and you see it, and you see all, everything that's there, then you ask good questions. That leads to interpretation. And then the Bible, every Bible verse, every Bible truth only has one interpretation. Not mine, not yours. You know, sometimes you'll be in a small group and they go, what do you think it means? What do you think it means? It really doesn't matter what you think it means. What does it mean? That's the right question to ask. So how do you feel about it? How do you feel about it? It doesn't matter what you feel about it. What does it say? And how God is going to use it in your life. So there's not two interpretations, ten interpretations. There's just one. And it's God. What did he mean when he wrote it? Not the favorite pastor. Not, not somebody. It's not some systematic theology. Uh, it, and you know, that's one of the surprises of the Bema seat. We'll just find out what we got wrong and what we got right. Maybe we'll be surprised by how much we really did get right. And they're like, yes, Lord. Yes, I was really concerned about that. Because there's so much in there. It's like, oh, I don't know, Lord. Maybe I missed a word there or a, a phrase. But that's what we do. We read it. We give you the sense, the interpretation. And then we help you to understand it. What does it mean in your life today? The word of God must get inside of you. You must hear it, receive it, obey it. The pastor teaches, you receive it. And then we all do it, right? Faith without works is dead all the time. You got to do the word. You want the meat of the word? You have to do the word. Remember Jesus said, and again, even if you um, have a teacher that maybe didn't explain something clearly or you have a hard time understanding what you're reading, listen to the promise of Jesus. You can claim this promise. You ready? This is the promise of Jesus. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Isn't that a great promise? The Holy Spirit's with you. You can understand the scriptures with the help of the Holy Spirit. He'll teach you and bring to your remembrance everything that Jesus said, that I said to you. Or he says again in John 15, 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep yours also. In John 16, 4, Jesus said, But these things I've told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. So we're living in exciting times. Hard, challenging, difficult, as I've used the word before, unprecedented. Things we've never experienced before in our generation. You know, we've been talking about the coming of the Lord, talking about the rapture, teaching about it, teaching about it. The end times, darkness, uh, difficult times are going to come. Perilous times are going to come. And now that they're happening, I think the shock factor is we just didn't think it was going to happen in our lifetime. We we're like, yeah, it's going to be the future. It's going to be the end times. Yeah, it's kind of see. But now it's happening so quick and so rapid, you can feel overwhelmed. It's traumatic. Some of you are, are dealing with the trauma of the reality of the days. And you can just ask for God to heal your heart and heal your mind 
And I know you probably didn't expect to live in the last days. You probably didn't expect to live with perilous times. You probably didn't expect it was just yet future, yet future. But so much of what we've been reading seems so much now. And families are divided. Jesus said it would be so. And churches are divided. And believers are under great tribulation. And it's just like the labor, labor pains, right? The labor pains is just the beginning. And that's not intended to scare you or it's just intended to inform you. Like, hey, as you see things become more intense, as you feel things that become closer, like just like labor pains, right? The more intense and the closer they get, baby's coming. And just like in the end times, more intense, closer together, it's going to happen. And, and it just seems like right now, the way things are going is just like the society just wants to keep us all nervous and we just can't, like we don't know what to do. We think it's going to be, we think we got our legs under us and boom, no, you can't do this and yeah, do this and what about this? And, you know, they're going to run out of Greek letters pretty soon on what the thing that's happening with the virus. But, you know, I'll tell you what, every time you think about a Greek letter, I want you to think about people in our own church have died from the virus. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that the way of ministry is people. The way of ministry is to minister to their families. It's to find a way to visit them in the hospital. It's to minister to the pain that are in people's lives. Let the world be the world, but please be the church. And yeah, you know, it's just unbelievable what days in which we're living, but people are still people. And God still uses the word, spirit of God, using the word of God and the people of God to do what? Reach. We're making our way through the epistle of Jude on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This message really hit home for me. Maybe the Lord spoke to you as well. You can hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com and then share it with someone you know that could use some encouragement. And Pastor Ed, you made a statement today that caught my attention. Never in your years as a Christian have you seen the church so divided. And I'd have to agree with you. What are some steps we can take even today to become a peacemaker rather than a divider? Well, Larry, you know, not too long ago, I did a Bible study, and I would encourage you guys listening, if you didn't hear it, please go to our app. Go to your app store, go to Calvary Church, and then put my name, Ed Taylor. If you just put Ed Taylor, it should pop up, our free app, and listen to the Bible study. You can go up to the search function, and the Bible study was entitled Peacemaker or Troublemaker. Or I might, it might be Troublemaker or Peacemaker. I don't know which one it is. Listen to that Bible study because that answers this question in its entirety. So for the sake of our time today, though, what I would say is necessary is, number one, acknowledge and recognize when you are a troublemaker. Number two, repent. Have a true, deep, godly sorrow for your sinful response to very difficult situations. Uh, repent and yield yourself afresh and anew to the work of the Holy Spirit so that you might grow in His grace and in His knowledge. And, and I know, I know the Lord will bless you. Listen to the Bible study, acknowledge, repent, and then pray for the Lord to make you a better peacemaker. As you yield to the Spirit, the natural outgrowth the natural fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are all yours by faith. So go for it as unto the Lord. Very good. Thanks for those great ideas. Over the past couple of years, discouragement and depression have been on the rise. And maybe that would describe where you're at today. 
We have a book we'd like to recommend to you that can help. It's Struggling Under the Broom Tree by Bill Gem. Pastor Bill recalls the life of Elijah, someone who battled with discouragement and depression too. But God, in his faithfulness, brought him out from under the broom tree of despair. If God did this for Elijah, you can be sure he can do it for you too. Read all about God's rescue plan for discouragement in Struggling Under the Broom Tree. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is listener-supported, and each dollar that's sent in is an investment in God's work and responsibly used. You'll be helping people across the nation grow in their relationship with the Lord and, in some cases, come to faith in Christ. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Don't miss our next study with Pastor Ed Taylor. It's going to be a good one. That's right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 